Hello and welcome fellow awesomeologists to Awesomeology. I'm Sue. And I'm Ben. And in this episode, we're welcoming a very special guest, Nancy Wilson, VP of Member Solutions for the Louisiana Credit Union League, credit union advocate, professional speaker, and someone we've been wanting to connect with for quite a while. Welcome, Nancy. Yay! Thank you so much for having me. I'm excited. Well, we're super excited to have you here. You are so well-loved in the credit union space. I have been circling your orbit for a little bit, a little bit of time here. And um, you have a ton of accomplishments that we could have shared in that intro. So do you mind just taking a minute to let our audience know more about who you are, where you come from, everything in your own words. Give us the, the two minute Nancy backstory. Oh my gosh, no pressure. Uh, so uh, I've been in the credit union industry for just about 10 years. Uh, I always like to say that I ended up into it uh, organically. I was I was the person on the other side of the desk that needed help. And um, when I went to my bank, which I know, hiss, hiss, but I went to <laughs> and asked for help, um, they pretty much laughed at me. And so I pulled my funds and went to a credit union. And the difference was so drastic that it made me do an about face in my own career. Uh, so I ended up in credit unions because credit unions were there to help me. Um, and I think that that's where my passion for credit unions becomes so uh, almost tangible because it's personal for me. Um, so I started as a teller, um, worked my way as a member service manager, uh, training director, um, and blah, blah, blah. And now I'm a <laughs> of member solutions in the league, which I love because Loving a credit union is one thing, but loving a bunch of credit unions is another thing. Um, I uh, am a CUDE um, through the National Credit Union Foundation. Um, I just went back uh, this month to be a facilitator, which was amazing. Um, I was a CUNA rock star. Um, oh, it's weird to talk about yourself, isn't it? <laughs> You're doing great. <laughs> I'm fabulous. Yeah. It's just so um, but yeah, I mean, in a nutshell, I am just a passionate uh, credit union advocate, uh, a people junkie. I love connecting with people. I love networking. Um, and uh, the credit union industry literally changed my life. It, it, it was the first time in my entire life where who I was uh, meshed so well with where I was working that I, I could show up as my authentic self and that mattered to me. So that's, that's fantastic. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, yes. not everybody gets to say that about their job, right? Like to be able to come in and truly be them. So uh, congratulations. That's that's cool and an, an awesome opportunity. So I, uh, Sue probably can assume this about me. Before our podcast recording, I do exactly the right amount of research and prep, uh, the right amount of research and prep to Ben Bauer. Uh, and I did that <laughs> for this uh, episode as well. Uh, which basically was me uh, stalking you on LinkedIn a little bit. I like it. Yeah. So um, you mentioned your member service manager experience, which is as far back as your experience goes on LinkedIn. As someone myself who came from outside of credit unions, that wasn't my first big boy job or anything like that. Tell me a little bit about what you do prior to the 10 years that you've been in the movement. So um, before going into the movement, I actually was a radio DJ and um, I was on a top 40 station. I talked entirely too much about Justin Bieber to feel comfortable with my life. And, <laughs> um, 
you know, you, you don't, I kind of fell into that too. I, I will be very uh, transparent. I didn't know what I wanted to be when I grew up. Um, I knew I wanted to be a mom. Um, and that took us a little more time than I had ever planned. So I kind of was in this limbo atmosphere of what do I want to be. And um, so I was trying, I went through this year of yes. I'm just going to say yes to opportunities. Um, somebody had approached me about uh, doing a radio uh, gig. And I thought, okay, I, I mean, I'll do that. Um, and that's what I was doing. I wasn't in love with it, but I also didn't not, not like it. It just was mm -hmm. what it was. I just hadn't found myself yet. Um, I always think that if my past teachers, especially my mathematical teachers, knew that I was in finances now, they would be like <laughs> laughing um, at me. Uh, <laughs> I was, ooh, I, I was always told, you think too logical for, when they add alphabet to math, I was out. <laughs> but why is there an A next to my yeah. I don't get it. Um so, uh, but learning that there's so much more to the financial world than numbers uh, was kind of eye-opening to me. Um, and then going to the DE program from the National Credit Union Foundation, it imploded my heart on all the things that are outside of of the realm of the four wall financial walls that you live in. Um, so, yeah, I was a radio DJ. I, I mean, talk about nice. school. Yeah. 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 No, it, it makes total sense. You have a voice for radio. I I have a face for radio, so I totally understand <laughs> exactly where you're coming from. Yeah. And, you know, we were talking before we started, we were talking about the fact that um, you and I are probably long lost sisters. Yes. Um, and it is so funny to me because you mentioned the math thing and I'm like, yeah, I I don't know what my math teachers would say if they saw that I was working, you know, in the financial industry, but I do know that I took the path through the number part as quickly as possible to get away from them. <laughs> yeah, I know. I, yes. The minute the alphabet showed up, I was like, mm, I'm dead. We're out. I think yeah, out. we're yeah. not doing it. Yeah. <laughs> Love it. Love it. Well, as, um, like I said, as someone that also came from outside credit unions and has had similar experiences where or similar feelings right like as you know I went to school for graphic designs to consider myself like in the financial industry is just really weird you know but like you said there's just so much more to the whole thing than just mm -hmm. you know numbers yeah. and balancing checkbooks and spreadsheets and stuff like that right yeah. we we do so many really cool things and you know um the uh, credit union uh, industry particular compared to banks and everything else um, you know it's just a a difference that you can't really feel or experience until you're in it sometimes. And so um, it's, it's cool to hear someone else that's maybe had that moment, that big shift in their career and in their life. So. Yeah. Kind of that aha moment. I, I, there's nothing inside me that, that ever thought walking into a financial institution that, Hey, I'm going to apply for this right. um, until it was, until it affected me personally. And then I'm like, wait a minute. Her just seeing me, that loan officer seeing me as a person and not three digits on a piece of paper, uh, it, it changed my life at that moment and it was desperately needed. And to have that, I don't want to say power, but you know what I mean, um, was magical in my world. And I thought, I want to be that magical unicorn for somebody else that that feels unseen and unheard. And 
to know that the credit union's all about serving um, and and people, not profits, and all of those wonderful things. I thought, I think I, think I want to be there. So I'm I'm glad that I made the shift. Yeah, love it, love it. So uh, as we said, we've been wanting to have you on for a while, and I know that Sue was specifically inspired by an article that you contributed to CU Insight last year called, Did You Know Chunky People Buy Cars? <laughs> awesome title. So in the article, you talk about a table discussion at a conference that inspired you. Can you describe that for our listeners? Absolutely. Um, so I was at a uh, a league conference, and uh, kind of an outside the box type of conference, You're supposed to you know drum up ideas that are maybe a little more, bit more ununiformed. And um, we were talking about ways that we could incorporate um, all of our members in marketing and how how can we represent. And um, at the time, I was talking about our front lines often are close together. They're next to offices where people can hear. It's not always private. And so um, at the credit union I was at. Uh, I had approached uh, my leadership team with a card that we could give to the person, um, uh, the member that would allow them to check their pronouns so that we were addressing them in a way that was um, appropriate and, and respectful. And I remember talking about this and there was an, uh, an, uh, an older gentleman that was sitting beside me and he audibly scoffed at that. Um, wow. And I thought, you know what, Nancy, let's not die on this hill, but we can, we can, we can, we can educate and not, and not um, go bonkers because it really, in my, in my mind and heart, it, it's so much easier to be kind and, and than it is to be judgmental. And so uh, what does it hurt to respect one another is my kind of motto. Um, so I asked him some questions, you know, curiosity questions of where did the scoff come from and the interesting part was he didn't know <laughs> he didn't know um I think it was you know personal biases and things like that but it led me to believe um we went down this uh, kind of rabbit hole talk at our table about how not everybody is represented in in the marketing of of our credit unions or, or marketing everywhere um, I don't often see plus size people in marketing. Um, and that's what inspired the chunky people buy cars too, because um, I even think back to when I bought my vehicle and the place that I buy my vehicle, they usually take a picture and post it on their social media. They didn't do that with me. And I don't know if that was intentional, um, but you have to think about that sometimes. You're like, hmm, you know, I wonder why they, why everybody else is on there and I'm not, um, could have been an innocent overlook but it's something to really think about uh so i i chunky people buy cars was a, a really it was just a a fun way to say you know everybody is is worthy of of being on a graphic on a poster of being represented um of purchasing a car a home uh, being excited about those things and being represented um so yeah it his scoff kind of led to that article. And so I'm, I'm thankful for his scoff, I guess you could say. <laughs> That's a really great way to look at that. And, the, you know, this is uh, the reason it resonated with me, uh, you know, being a, a plus size queen, as I am as well. You know, we've, we've talked a lot about uh, on our team. And when I say we, Nancy, to be clear, 
I have talked a lot on our team about um, making sure that we are representing, you know, everyone, body mm -hmm. types, disabilities, those things. And I think that um, it is, it's a real challenge when you are a average sized person to understand that feeling of being left out, right? to uh to really resonate with that and it i think too a, a second challenge besides besides that you know getting into the mindset of the person who is maybe being left out and not just plus size people but people in wheelchairs and people with you know limb differences and you know, some of you know all of those things mm -hmm. um is that in Maybe it's probably in every industry where you don't want to spend a lot of money on marketing, but we will say in the credit union industry, um, people are looking, marketers are looking for the uh, most efficient, least expensive way to get their marketing out. And that means stock photography um, and a lot of those shortcuts. That also means that you are pulling from the same pile of images that everyone else is and those images that are out there that are stock photography are going to be average sized or model skinny or you know ridiculously good looking people yes. Yes. because that's the kind of photo that's the kind of promotional photos people are used to taking it's and terrible. and with I think with the assumption that that's what people want to look at is beautiful people yeah and and hey uh Chunky people also like to look at beautiful people, but <laughs> who, knew? who knew? Right. <laughs> uh, but the uh, it doesn't represent everyone. Right, right. It doesn't. It's 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 frustrating, and I think um, what people tend to forget is diversity is a huge umbrella. It's not mm. just one section um, of folks. It's a broad section of folks. And I think it took me a long time to figure out um, that being a plus size uh, woman in a professional job uh, was also under that umbrella. I had gone through some situations personally in my professional life uh, where I didn't even register that it was being, that I was being discriminated against until I looked at it with a different lens because it's become so unfortunately common uh, some of the things that even logo gear, you know, talking about logo gear, um, I had a credit union that said they always ordered that spandex logo gear. Okay, no, but okay, let's stop. I am going to die on this hill. That looks, <laughs> that looks not good on anyone. And my my CEO at the time said, "Oh, that fits everyone." And I said, "Well, it does not." And he said, "Well, you never wear it." And I'm like, "There's a reason I never wear it." Um, and he's like, well, I'd like you to wear it. I'm like, okay, I'll wear it tomorrow, but you're going to not like it. And he said, okay, well, I wore it and it looked like sausage casing and he made me laugh and it rolled up the minute I laughed. And he's like, yeah, you can go change. I'm like, thank you. Um, which started a movement of letting people buy their own shirts and we would put the logo on it. How hard is that? Um, I would rather buy a shirt that I feel comfortable in and have them mm -hmm. put the logo on it than do a mass order of 
of all these spandex shirts that are going to end up in the back of the closet. But those situations, it took me a while to figure out like, yeah, this doesn't feel good. Mm. Yeah. Go ahead, Ben. I was just going to say, um, you know, whether we're talking about, um, you know, considering people's needs or preferences for apparel or stock photography and stuff, it's it's a bit mind-boggling, but also I understand it because the world's influenced by culture and bias and those kinds of things. But um, it's also really simple to make a change or to accommodate mm-hmm. or to include, you know, whatever it is that you're doing, you know, like like you said, Nancy, the great example, just buy your own stuff, the stuff that you want and you're going to spend money on and be comfortable with anyways. Um, you know, stock photography, that's a thing that, you know, certainly lots of room for improvement there. Um, but but there is stuff available out there too. You do maybe need to put in a little extra effort to look for it or maybe take your own photography if that's just, what you need, you know. I was just so. going to say that you, I bet you a million trillion dollars. Don't, don't bet me because I don't have that one. <laughs> um, that there's a member of yours out there that would say, absolutely, I'll take a picture with my new car. And they happen mm-hmm. to be, have a disability or they're plus size or, you know, anything. Um, that was, that has been some of my favorite marketing is using the people that are, are right in front of you every day. Um, asking them to do that is like twofold, makes them feel amazing. And you're using actual real people that you have mm-hmm. helped. Simple. Yeah. Right. Right. Yeah. And, uh, it, it lends a certain, it lends the authenticity that I think people are striving for, that you were trying to find stock photography that looks authentic instead of yeah. just getting the images, you know, that are yeah. real. Yes. Yeah. 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 It's kind of like those, those um, stock photos in magazines where, uh, well, uh, sorry, Ben, I'm going to go there, but like go ahead. feminine hygiene products. I don't smile when I do that. <laughs> I'm not looking off into the distance and doing like a Captain Morgan pose. I not. And, and it's so weird to me that that's what they use. Um, I mean, <laughs> let's be honest. Let's, now, you I, know what? On the first day of my period, I want to get a box of Kotex and ride a horse, Nancy. And I, I don't know. know what you're talking about. I, I, mean, I, 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 I actually look for ones that can allow me to do a pogo stick. I, yeah. I, yeah. I, do, um, I just, you know, sorry, Ben. Sorry. It's all good. This yeah. is good. Um, hey, I've got I've got a young daughter. I need to get really comfortable with these conversations yeah. before that stuff starts happening. So. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, it, but that's that's the I think that's the stock photo trauma that we all have is that we're using stock photos of people that don't represent people. Mm-hmm. Um, and and I I I want to see that change. I'm a, a huge advocate for that to change. Um, and I think slowly it's happening. And I love to see that. I love to see the non-traditional type of, of photos happening um, because our world is so beautifully diverse uh, that we should be have been tapping into that a long time ago. Right, right. Yeah. Well, and I think there is a ton of progress in clothing brands, lifestyle brands, some of those types of things where you are seeing size inclusion Mm-hmm. Where it's really important, you know, I I don't know. It could have started anywhere, but I think there it's particularly important to be able for a clothing brand to be able to demonstrate their size inclusiveness. 
Yeah. Um, and I think we can be very cool with the idea that we see now we have we have some role models and you know out in the marketing world and we have some ideas of you know probably one of the challenges is every different body type requires a different type of pose to make them feel good and confident and so having you know some of those other clothing brands lifestyle brands already using plus size models yes and and not and I think you will understand this reference. I don't know if Ben will. And not the kind of plus size models we saw 10 years ago mm-hmm. who, uh, who PS were five foot 10, 150 pounds <laughs> and, yeah. and plus size. Yeah. Um, but, yeah. you know, really truly plus size bodies that are diverse, that mm-hmm. have a different shape than mm-hmm. a model's body. Yeah. Um, and it, you know, we can look to some of that to help us find good poses for them and yeah. find, you know, things that make everyone look beautiful. Absolutely. Absolutely. I, I, I have been frustrated with the clothing industry for a very long time because I always, I always couldn't wrap my, my brain around that. I, I like this outfit that's in a, a size six. Why can't you add more material so I can mm. also wear that? Um, it just seems simple to me, add more material, right. but somewhere in the translation that tells people, okay, I'm going to take this from a size six to a size, whatever, 18 plus, um, I have to add random French words, some glitters, <laughs> um, some tassels. <laughs> I don't know. My grandma's curtains. I don't know. Yeah. Flowers, it, it, oh, whatever you can do. Yeah, whatever happened <laughs> in that translation, there is a very big gap of communication. Like, I just want this outfit bigger. I don't need glitter and and gems and French words. And um, and I don't know where that came from. I do see it starting to change with some of the bigger brands are offering plus size. What I don't like is they're offering plus size online. Like, oh my mm. God you know that we shop in the store too. That is so crazy. Um, but that's, that's another thing that bothers me is, is, oh, we now offer plus size. Oh, you have to go online for that. Oh, okay. Do you not want to see me in here? I mean, my favorite thing to do is walk into Victoria's Secret and pretend I'm going to put on something. Um, that's it. You want to see fear. Um, so, uh, I mean, it's, it's, I have become more comfortable in my body, the older that I get. Um, I spent a lot of my time, time um growing up shrinking to fit in you know like just you know looking down shrinking or I I I don't want to take up any more space than I already do um and something about hitting into your 40s where you're like I no longer care what you see me as and I want to show up as my authentic self and um so here I am and I talk Mm -hmm. about the things that maybe people don't want to talk about um you know the uncomfortable that uncomfortable moment when you go to a restaurant and they walk you to a booth and you're sizing up, can I comfortably fit between that seat and that table? And the awkward moment when you say, no, I can't, and you need to seat me somewhere else, um, that used to absolutely devastate me. And now I'm just like, oh, yeah, that's not going to help without some Crisco from the kitchen. So (laughs) (laughs) if you could, um, and I think that, um, I think being that way, And uh, being able to say those things unapologetically now um, has opened up 
some people and close people around me and people that I've never met as well to have those conversations of like, thanks for being real. This mm -hmm. is a thing. This happens and we can talk about it. It's not shameful. Yeah. Yeah. Let, you know, I would love to dive into that shame just a little bit. I don't want to bathe in it, but <laughs> let's, you know, let's, let's talk about it a little bit. I think the, the, my perception is that other people's perception, average bodied, I don't have another way to say it, people's perception yeah. is that um, not that plus size people uh, lack discipline, lack self-awareness. Like you don't know you're fat. And if you do know you're fat, you should be trying to fix it every second of every day. And if you're not on a diet or you know, eating salads or doing any of these other things that an average size body thinks you should be doing, then you're, you're lazy. You've given up. Like there's just so much shame in it. And yeah. if we, if we could get past that and say, you know what, different bodies grow in different ways yeah. and people's, uh, people's physiology works in different ways. And there are a lot of reasons Mm -hmm. You could, um, you could be born prone to be a plus size person. You could have something happen. You could have trauma, a medical condition, any number of things happen yep. that uh, mean that you are going to become plus size. And you could have a lot of whole host of reasons that mean you are going to stay that way. Right. And so to get, if, if we could get people, you know, you mentioned in the career uh, in your career, like, uh, if you, if people assume that you are not disciplined, lazy, et cetera, because of your body type, mm -hmm. then it limits your ability to have a, you know, a warm and welcoming career. It, it hurts yeah. you in terms of advancement Absolutely. and, and you could be more disciplined. And, you know, and I would say that growing up as a, as a chubby girl and, um, living in a world that is really just now starting to accept and not fully and not perfectly, but starting to accept that there's diversity in body type. Mm -hmm. Um, I learned a lot of discipline, right? I learned like that feeling of if you are not on a diet, then you are a failure. Right. And if you're not giving them your entire medical history of why you have weight, I mean, I, I, I that's what I learned is I was, I felt like I had to explain my weight. Um, even mm. the people didn't even ask, um, and you know, like, Oh, sorry, sorry. I have polycystic ovary syndrome. It makes me fat. I mean, I mean, you know what I mean? It mm. was, and they were like, I go, okay, whatever. I, you know, you, people are going to have those, those perceptions of you. And I, and I think, growing up like to what you said Sue growing up as somebody that's plus size whether it be your genes whether it be your medical um journey whether it be whatever you go through that period of um almost apologizing for existing mm -hmm. and um one of my first job interviews um I I that being a married woman I was newly married um, I didn't know what I wanted to be when I grew up, like I told you. And, and it was, um, I had applied for a, just a position at a, um, 
hotel to be their front desk person. And I got the interview, super excited, dressed up, went to my interview and the gentleman met me outside. Uh, I was 20 years old, met me outside. And he said, are you Nancy? And I said, I am. And I said, I'm so nice to meet you. And he said, that's good. Thank you. We don't need that's I don't you can go now. And I said, we didn't even interview. And he said, I just wanted to see what you look like. And I wow. got my car and I thought, did that just really? Ha- I mean, that's that that only happens on like sitcoms or like lifetime movies or after school specials. <laughs> um, and I was like, that that totally just happened to me. Um, and I think that started that transition for me to it devastated me enough to become undevastated by it, if that makes sense, and start making a change on how I presented myself and how I explained myself to folks that weren't even listening. Um, So it it has been a journey. I mean, and we all know that school can be hard. Um, School can be tough. I was so grateful that my my, uh, last name was Gail, which which rhymed with whale. Thank you, (sighs) universe. And, you know, so kids are mean and you are conditioned um, through that. And it did follow me through my profession. but I think when I hit the credit union world was when my give a darn was busted about it. And so I I, I kind of just stopped putting that as a factor and just mm-hmm. started heart hustling my way to what I wanted, uh, despite what I felt like in my clothing or in how, what, how I showed up to the world. Um, but you're right. It's... Um, can be very traumatic um, when you look back at things that you think are just a normal day and you realize they're not right. You shouldn't be treated that way. You shouldn't be, um, you know, you shouldn't be belittled on a plane, which I have been before. Um, you know, I, I had a woman when I walked in to a plane, it was one of those uh, connecting flights where you had to run. I'm pretty sure my thighs were on fire by the time I got on the plane. And the lady, um, I was the last one on there. And she said, I, from the back of the plane, she said, I am not sitting by that fat woman. (gasps) Like, you know, everything inside of me was like, well, I don't want to sit by you either. Um, There was no (laughs) choice. I had to sit by her. But what I, what I recognized uh, was nobody said anything. Uh, Not even the, um, the, uh, plane employees said anything they heard it everybody heard it uh she continued through the whole flight to tell me that she paid for her seat and that my rear end was touching her seat which was impossible because it was there was it was like a solid I mean if my rear end was touching her seat it was I have a magical rear end Uh, (laughs) and um I, I I I did have a lady like 20 minutes before the flight stopped say that she would switch seats with me and I said no um, I said, I, I've got this, but thank you so much. I mean, in my mind, I was like, Ooh, why didn't you do that right away? Um, but when we were departing and she did this, the whole flight, she, she asked where I got my clothes. It was probably a tent store. It was just, she was awful. Holy cow. She was an awful human being. Um, but I put my hand on her leg before I left, which was, I could have come back without an arm. Um, and I said, I don't know who hurt you but I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I'm sorry that you're hurt because no human being with a heart acts like you have this entire flight without being someone that has been hurt. 
Um, and she didn't know what to say to that. And I, I got off the plane and cried in the bathroom because it was humiliating. Um, but I wanted her to know that I'm a human being. I'm a human being. And um, I don't know you, but I know people well enough to know that people are not typically mean like that unless they are hurt and hurt people hurt people. Yeah. Um, and once I learned that for myself, it, it kind of changed my world. Yeah. Wow. First, thank you for sharing all of that. Uh, as the uh, average everything white guy on the uh, podcast <laughs> today, uh, I have been happily waiting in the wings. Photo, ben. Yeah, right. Yeah. <laughs> um, but I do just want to say, and I don't want to soften anything that any of that anybody said or anything. Um, and this is Sue's not going to be surprised by this. This is the Ben Bauer put the positive spin on everything, or at least end on a positive note. But um, as much as I can acknowledge and have seen and experienced similar, like really shameful, hateful experiences, um, and have heard your stories today, I hope that both of you know there are lots of people that love you, and there are lots of Aww. people that see you as you and. Um, and I would even go as far, even though it might not feel like this or might not be as visible in our world today, especially as divided as things are, maybe now more than ever, I don't know. Um, I think that the majority of people are that way. They see you as you, you know, there's more of the good than there is all that other stuff. It's just obviously the other stuff hurts real bad, is maybe more visible. Um, it's loud at the time, it's loud, right? Yeah, yeah. Loud at the time. And I think that that's what I've learned is that though, even though those times are loud, doesn't mean they're more often. I feel love more often than I feel hate, uh, it, you know, and in those times where I feel like, oh my gosh, people are just terrible. Um, honestly, it's not. I I am surrounded by people, lovely people that love me for who I am and accept me for who I am. And and in, in turn, the same for, for me, mm -hmm. I accept them for who they are. Um, everybody has those, those portions of them. They're like, mm, I wish this was different, whether it be the size of your ears or your nose or whatever. Um, I, I just want to love people for who they are. And, um, and that is truly my mission. And I want people to see and love me for who I am. Um, and, uh, I have to say the credit union world is pretty awesome for that kind of love. Yeah, yeah, I mean, I think your story of the scoff is a great example of that, where, um, you know, like, respect and kindness can really be the difference maker. I mean, you could have handled that whole thing a completely different way. You know what I mean? You even mentioned, you know, just, you know, even though <laughs> maybe the scoff caught you off guard, or you could make some assumptions about what this person thinks, believes in, all of that, to have those conversations rooted in kindness and uh, respect um, will create change uh, and or, you know, open people's eyes, um, you know, to maybe think a little differently, maybe eliminate some biases and things like that. Absolutely. I, a pebble in the pond still makes a ripple just like a boulder. And I, I, I think that um, you can be the change and, and I want to be that change. I, I want to be the person that, um, that, takes a moment to step back when when you do feel that human anger or that agitation and go, okay, I'm going to be curious rather than be mad. I'm going to ask questions rather than uh, be accusatory, which is a very human reaction. 
we get that way. How many often have how many often have we wanted to someone's rude and we want to be like your mom, um, but we don't do that. Uh, I, I've learned to replace that with a deep breath and then curiosity. Where are you coming from? I'd like to learn from you. What are your experiences? And more often than not, I'm learning that that scoff behind that scoff is also pain from some personal mm-hmm. things we've had to deal with. Um, it's not about me. It's not about maybe what I said or how I look or what I bring to the table. Um, and I think that that's the difference um, between teenager Nancy and 40 something year old Nancy is I realized it's not all about me, gosh darn it. And I, and I, um, and that's good. I, I'm, I'm learning to be curious and not accusatory. Love it. And I think circling us all the way back to where we started when we were talking about marketing and being able to include, uh, being able to include inclusion uh, is, you know, <clears throat> I think we look for, we look for allies. I, I know that Ben, you know what, Ben, and I don't know if this sounds like a compliment to you, but I have to tell you, like when I talk to you, I don't, I don't feel like a fat person. Do you know what I mean? I feel like a person with you and not everyone treats me that way. And that's yeah. cool. And I like it and keep it up. I like being uh, cool. Thanks. <laughs> way, to, way to be cool. You are average, but you are cool. <laughs> um, and so that, that also puts the responsibility on us that convicts us as human beings to say, well, how can I show up in the way Ben shows up for me for these other people or for my fellow chunky queens or for, you know, anyone, right? Yes. Or for myself, how can I advocate and be that kind of ally and see the core of a human being rather Mm -hmm. than uh, what they look like, what they sound like, the language they use. Yeah. 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 Fantastic. I think there's more that connects us than divides us. Uh, but we have to definitely um, make the effort to be curious and ask ask questions that are important um, to get to the root of the understanding. And that takes effort and not not everybody is willing to put forth that effort. But when you are, I guarantee your network of amazing people is going to be, your cup will be overflowing with amazing mm-hmm. people when you do that. Definitely. Well, uh, Benjamin, we have gotten we have gotten <laughs> off script, and I think okay. this is an absolutely fantastic place to wrap up. But if you have more to say, I'm not gonna I'm not gonna try and change because this the next question would be like a swerve that I'm right. not gonna make that swerve. So <laughs> you <Yeah>. take it. <laughs> no, I think we've I think we've done great. Um, I do I I am gonna just take a moment and kind of swerve here um, okay. because. We're meet, we, we've met, we finally met our new friend, Nancy. And um, I just love these, you know, stories where people come from outside of credit unions and come into credit unions. So Nancy, you've got 10 years in credit union land right now. Real quick, is there a story that you can share that taught you something valuable as you've come up in credit unions? Maybe, I don't know, an embarrassing mistake that provided the lesson or some shining moment that you're proud to share with people? Anything like that that you can share quick? Oh my gosh, there's so many, there's so many member moments that have absolutely touched my heart. Um, but I think one that stands out for me, and I think it really changed the course of who I was as a credit union professional is when I was a teller. And it was uh, a 
gentleman that walked in to open up an account, he stood in front of the teller line for a while and kind of looked at all of us like, and I thought, oh, it's kind of weird. You know, he's not saying anything, but and then he comes up to me. He's like, I'd like to open an account. I'm like, okay, great. Let's open an account. Took him into the room to open up the account. That sounds so mysterious. Took him into the room. To yeah, the room. <laughs> anyway, I took him into the office to open an account. And uh, in doing uh, photocopying the driver's license, um, I realized that his driver's license um, had a female name on it. And uh, it occurred to me right then that he was trans and he asked if I, once I had his um, driver's license, he asked if I would keep his file personally so that we live in a small town. He, he didn't want all that stuff. Um, and I was like, oh, absolutely. I mean, without question, absolutely. Uh, when he left, it dawned on me how important and how special it was that he chose me. And so I went, I ran out of the credit union and, and tapped on his window. And I said, thank you for choosing me because it doesn't fall on deaf ears or, or deaf heart that how important and, and that was and how courageous that was to pick somebody and just hopefully know that they would they'd be accepting. And I said, you're safe with me. And he goes, you know what? I knew that. And that changed me because you don't know what those people, uh, those people, any people are feeling the moment they're standing in front of a financial institution, which honestly, truly it's intimidating when you go into a financial institution and need something um, to be chosen, to be the chosen one. It just, it filled my heart and it changed me completely in the way that I served members. So I'm so grateful for him ended up going to his wedding, um, ended up um, taking uh, engagement photos for them. Uh, it, it just w became a beautiful friendship. And more often than not in the credit union, um, I have stories where it has come full circle where you've helped a member and they in turn have helped you. And uh, yeah, that fills my cup so often. Yeah. Wow. Great story. That's, that's amazing. And you radiate and energy. So whether that was a naha moment where you feel like something changed for you or not, my guess is you were radiating an energy before that change in oh. yourself. And that probably helped him choose you. So great story. Oh, that's awesome. Love it. Well, I'm really glad that I swerved and asked that question. Yeah, that was but we do a need perfect to, swerve. Yeah. <laughs> we do need to wrap up, which is such a bummer because we could probably talk for like two more hours with you but um two more hours two more days whatever what are you yeah. doing this weekend are you busy <laughs> um, <laughs> but we uh we close each episode with our something awesome seg segment where we share recommendations for cool things we've experienced seen heard read uh, etc and i usually kick it off so if you haven't brought something nancy hopefully uh my recommendation can buy a little bit of time uh, but I am so happy to share a recommendation for the new Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles, Mutant Mayhem. Uh, I think like 96% on Rotten Tomatoes, so don't take it just from me. Take it from Rotten Tomatoes that it's a great movie. But growing up as a uh, kid born in the 80s and Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles um, being... Uh, you know, as prominent as it was then and having all the toys and costume and the little turtle van that shot the pizza and all that stuff. I, <laughs> I get I get excited about every Ninja Turtle movie that comes out. 
Um, but this one in particular, uh, just the artwork, um, as soon as I saw the trailer, I was like, okay, well, I'm totally seeing this thing because it's got that animation, claymation style going on. Um, and then just some of the voice actors in it are people that I love to see their faces in movies and everything. Uh, and then like sprinkle on an awesome soundtrack. It was just like a really cool hour and a half, which also I feel like every movie today is like two hours or more. It was like refreshing to have like an hour and a half movie. We watched it with uh, the kids and, um, you know, to be able to not have to break it up because it's so darn long was a nice treat too, you know? So we watched it on a Saturday morning, super chill and um, just everything about it. I loved, I won't say anything more, no spoilers, uh, but check it out. If you haven't seen it, it's so good. And if you um, care about the Ninja Turtles at all, like I do, I know you'll appreciate it. So who doesn't care about the Ninja Turtles? Exactly. I know, right? Precisely. <laughs> Are, am, are, are, is my supposed to share something awesome? Yeah, if you're yep. ready, you're up if next. You're ready. Okay, this is just kind of like a local awesome, I guess. But um, so I live in North Dakota, don't you know? Oh, and, sure. Uh, oh, for, oh, oh, for Christ's sake. Oh, wow. There now, she I'm is. Gonna scooch right by you here. <laughs> um, yeah, so um, I actually run a nonprofit out of my garage that has um, clothing and hygiene products. We don't have anything local like that. So I was like, why not? I'll just do it. Um, and what is awesome is looking into my community, uh, there were some groups, uh, even in this small community, one bar, 10 churches, you know the kind. Uh, mm -hmm. uh, there is a group, uh, they're called the JCs, and they have purchased me a shed for, I call it Department 701, which is uh, our area code. And so I will have a heated and cooled shed uh, to serve the people and the families that I have served out of my garage for almost two years now. So I'm super excited about that. And I think it's awesome. And my awesome takeaway from that is um, search out your local needs, see a need, fill a need. It can be small and there's people that want to help. Just ask. Awesome. Fantastic. That is really cool. And they're just they're just like hooking you up with the shed. Is it like placed like centrally located or is it on your property or what's that? It's like on that? my property. Okay. Um, it's, um uh, people are so used to coming to my garage um that they just know where my house is. And so it's gonna be on my property. Um they are buying the shed and then a local window um warehouse actually gave me money for all the shelving inside. So it's going to look my my dream was for it to look like a store. Um, so they have some dignity and not just a garage sale looking type. Mm -hmm. of, um, so I'm going to have professional shelving and all of that good stuff and a front door and windows on it. I mean, it's just going to be amazing. But um, I have found that you can you can do good. Um, and there's so many folks out there that that want to help. You just have to ask for the help and put it out there. Um, and I literally just asked for, I'm like, I don't, uh, winter's coming in North Dakota and I need my grog. Um, and, uh, so, uh, what can I do? And with that came, well, we're going to donate a shed for you. Uh, and they're having it built and moved on. To it's just amazing. People amazing. are Yeah. Fantastic. And do you, do you need help, uh, moving things from your garage into your shed? Um, I always, my husband is always like, oh, I'll help you. And I'm like, don't touch it. No, <laughs> um, so, um, I, 
you know, I don't, I think it's going to be a, a gradual move because I really want to get the shelving and everything looking mm -hmm. really um, good. I want to actually separate sizes now because I, I go from, I have clothing from newborn all the way to plus size because there's no plus size clothing um, near here. So um, it started out as just kids winter coats because there was a need and it kind of grew based on the needs that we, that I have heard. Um, but to date, I've been doing it for almost two years now. And um, in this small community, in the surrounding communities, I've served 42 families. So, oh, wow. nice. Yeah. So can you, you don't have to share it out loud right now. Send it to me. Uh, mm -hmm. If you, if you can share some way that people can connect with you, if they want to give you some clothes or do any of that stuff so we can make sure that the uh, the people that are listening, because you you know you hate the feeling of hearing somebody is doing something cool and then you can't do anything to help. So I know, I know. Yeah. I, I recently made an Amazon wish list of just like hygiene items that I know have been needed. Um, so I will definitely hook you up with that. Um, but yeah, I you know I the world never fails to show me awesome. If you look for awesome, you can find awesome. So fantastic, love it. Love it. <clears throat> well, mine is you guys have outshined me here, <laughs> but I am going to share a book that I am reading um, because it it cracked my skull open, blew my brain out, dropped my brain back in, covered it back up, and then blew it all out again. Um, <laughs> that sounds messy. Yeah, it was cow. so messy. What cleanup look like? <laughs> it was not good. <laughs> not good. Um, so it is a book called Lies My Teacher Told Me. Everything Your American History Textbook Got Wrong uh, by James W. Lowen. And I will share the link to uh, it on bookshop.org. So uh, this is a newer edition of this book. He wrote uh, an edition several years ago. And then this is an updated version where he basically, he went and collected all of the history textbooks that are in public schools right now in the United States and reviewed them for accuracy and to look at what similarities, you know, what similar stories these books were telling and how they were communicating it and uh, those types of things. And then wrote a book that basically says, this is what the history textbook tells kids teenagers whenever you hit that stuff in mm -hmm. school and here is what um real accounts from the real people that were part of this history and scholarly texts and here's what actually happened wow and it started with oh gosh i think the first chapter was helen keller um what do you know about helen keller Basically basic i mean really just basic right so like you know the she like ann sullivan put her hand under the water and she said water and then it was like oh my gosh helen keller who was blind and deaf can now talk and yeah and the miracle worker i think right like that's the play or whatever yep yeah and anything else no that's about it for me <laughs> yeah so she was a real rabble rouser and she she was a like total role model for um for the suffrage movement 
for feminism, for all of these things. And we never hear anything beyond like, oh, the deaf and blind girl learned how to say water. And then I, I think I had heard that she then went on the lecture circuit, which I assumed was now she's lecturing to talk about how she learned how to talk. Right. And that, and, but it is, she was an absolute, like she was highly political. She was, uh, she helped found the, oh, let me think. Um, she was one of the first, uh, white people to donate to the NAACP. Mm. Uh, yeah, no, she, she was an absolute, uh, yeah, an absolute caution. So it was so cool to find out who she actually was. Yeah. Um, the downside is I then read the story about Columbus and it just happened to be right before Columbus day and there goes Columbus day for me forever. <laughs> <laughs> but Excellent, excellent book. Lies my teacher told me. Very interesting. I'm always fascinated by the things that I did not learn and did not know were happening when I learned history in school, because yeah. it goes past you so fast. It when does. You're, you know, and all you do is learn it to be able to take the test. It's so true. And then, <laughs> and then get out and, move and on. learn the next thing. Yeah. Well, so. I don't know. I don't know about you, but this is another day I did not use square dancing that I did. <laughs> it's gonna. It it's gonna day. pay off someday. It's gonna come up. One it's day. Come up. <laughs> yeah. No, I get it. <laughs> what about that fancy parachute work you did in gym? Oh, you is know, that, I, that's gonna... I've been itching to show my skills, but nobody, nobody yeah. has. So nobody, nobody will do it. It's <laughs> <laughs> well nancy you are an absolute delight and i hope you hear that 10 to 25 times every single day i really appreciate you <laughs> joining us today and thank you to our listeners uh as always for joining us you can always catch us on your favorite podcast app or by finding our podcasts on our blog at exclamation slash blog Yes. Ditto to what Sue said. Thank you, Nancy. Nancy, any parting words? Thank you so much for having me. I, as a longtime listener, and now I get to be on it. It has yes. been awesome. Awesome. Great. And we're so happy to have you. Thanks, everyone, for tuning in. Be awesome. We'll see you next time. The Osmology Podcast is a production of Exclamation Services. Thanks to Nick Mulliver for sound production and Kylie Ganther for our cover artwork. Executive producers are me, Ben Bauer, and my friend, Suzanne Campbell.